morning converse church. If you guys come to give God some praise, I got up early this morning to give God some glory. Are you praising with me? Come on, let's go. Hallelujah. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns forever and ever. Our God is an awesome God.
and your feet Drink from the cup in your hand Lay back against you and breathe Till your heart beat This love is so deep It's more than I can stand I'm melting your peace It's overwhelming It's shot I wanna sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heart beat. This love is so deep, yes, it's more than I can stand. I'm melting your peace, it's overwhelming. I love forever. I love you forever. I love you forever, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love you forever. I love you forever. I love you forever, Lord. Come on, I love you forever. Sing it. I love you forever. I love you forever. I love you forever, Lord. Forever and ever. I love you forever. Yeah. I love you forever. I love you. I love you forever, Lord. I will worship. Will worship. Oh, 
love you, God. That's why I love you forever. I love you forever. Shabbat. I love you forever. I love you forever. Father, we thank you for your presence. Hallelujah. Thank you for being here. Hallelujah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Lord, we love you, Jesus. everything God has done for you. Oh, all my words fall short. I've got nothing new. I could sing these songs as I often do. I could sing these songs as I often do, but every song must end, and you never do. We lift this up. So I throw up my hands, pray to you again and again, so that I Oh, man, I have is a heart. 
Kevin and the team to go back into that song. One of my favorite things to do uh, as I study and read through scripture is to read through the book of Psalms. And what you'll discover in the book of Psalms is often uh, the songwriters, the psalmist uh, would communicate the full spectrum of emotion, not just joy, not just victories, but even times and moments and seasons of great despair and anguish and anxiety. You know, as I was on the front row, and Kevin, as you were leading us in worship, uh, that refrain, uh, come on my soul, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song, because I know there's a lion inside of those lungs. You know, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 116, these are the words of David, 
and this is what David says, why so downcast, O my soul? Hope thou in God. And the reason that verse from that Psalm resonated with me this morning is simply because several years ago, I read about this guy who had the record for the most double uh, Ironman marathons, meaning he would run the Ironman, right? 26.1 miles, he'd do the marathon, he'd swim across whatever it was, and then he'd bike, I don't know, over 100 miles, and then he would get up the next day and do it again. He won it five times. And when the interviewer asked him, how are you able to run these double Ironman marathons? It would be notable just to, for you to run one. And this is what he said. He said, I don't listen to myself. I talk to myself. I want you to catch that this morning, Converge. I don't listen to what my head is telling me. I don't listen to what my feelings are saying to me. I speak to myself. The truth is sometimes we get in trouble because we listen to ourselves, and sometimes the words that we're saying to ourselves in our head or, or thinking to ourselves in our head are the words that limit and defeat us. But maybe this morning we can take a cue from David who said, as he began to speak to himself, why so downcast, O oh my soul? I'm not going to let my soul dictate what happens in this next moment. I'm going to speak to my soul and say, hope thou in the Lord. And this morning, you and I have an opportunity not to listen to our circumstances, not to listen to our emotions, but to speak to them. The Bible declares that the word of faith is nigh thee, even in your mouth. That's why the psalmist said, I believe, therefore have I spoken. So maybe this morning as we sing this song one more time, maybe there's a lifting out of the place where you are now. Maybe God wants to shift your focus from listening to what your head has been telling you and to start to speak to your situation, to start to speak the word of God over your circumstances because life and death are still in the power of the tongue. Father, this morning, we choose to declare your word over our lives, over our circumstances. We choose to fan into flame the gift of God, the gratitude that is within us. God, life can throw so many things at us that can cause anxiety and worry, uncertainty. But this morning, God, we turn to the one thing that is immutable, irrefutable, unchanging, and that is the faithfulness of your word and the faithfulness of our God because Jesus Christ is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this morning, we don't listen to the voices in our heads. We speak to them and we declare, hope thou in the Lord. Kevin, why don't you lead us in worship again? Let's lift this thing up in faith. Come on. Let's say, Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul. Cause you've got a lion inside of those arms. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, let's sing it together. Come on, say, Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul. Cause you've got a
Hey, 
and the praises of your people. So Lord, we ask you to settle here. Lord, we ask you to settle here. Lord, we ask you to settle here in this place. And Lord, we pray that no one will leave as they came in Jesus' name. No one will leave as they came in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise for it now. In Jesus' name. Lord, we honor you. We reverence you. We thank you now for doing what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Thank you, Lord. 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 
Father, we thank you for this moment. God, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for it. God, speak to our hearts as only you can. Meet each one right where they are. Lord, we ask you for divine encounters this morning. Your supernatural visitation in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you that in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Thank you, God, for your presence in this place now. We yield implicitly to all that you desire and all that you decide to do. In us, for us, and through us. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for it. And it is in the strong, matchless, incomparable name of Jesus that we pray and ask. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on. Yeah, come on. Let's lift that up to God this morning. You're worthy. You're worthy, you're worthy, worthy of all the praise, worthy of all the praise. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. You may be seated in the house of the Lord if you can. Kevin, oh man, we could just linger here all morning. Oh my, oh my, wow. You know, yesterday we celebrated Levi's 13th birthday and it was full of surprises. Uh, Pastor Wendy is actually in Boston with our daughter. It was their family weekend at uh, her college, Emerson College in Boston. Uh, it also happened to be Levi's birthday, so we kind of did boys to boys, girls to girls, amen? So Pastor Wendy is in Boston with Nia. They're having a wonderful time. And I got to spend the day with my man cub, Levi Legend, who was officially a teenager, y'all. Come on, show us some love. <laughs> Levi's in the back with a media team serving there. And, and one of his surprises was a concert uh, that I took him to. Uh, had some of his favorite Christian rap artists like Trip Lee and KB and No Big Deal and Flame. And all the Motown crowd are like, huh? <laughs> Listen, we're a multi-generational church. And, 
and so I got to take Levi to this concert, man, and it, uh, passion, passion worship was also there, and, and so it was a mix, man, of all these different genres, and uh, man, it was so awesome to see my 13-year-old son going ha- hard after Jesus in worship, and, uh, but one of the songs they sang was Gratitude, uh, the song that uh, Converge Worship just led us in, and, and so it was so awesome to come this morning and be reminded of the power of gratitude. And that sometimes we simply have to throw up our hands and sing hallelujah, which is the highest praise. Simply praise Jehovah, praise the Lord. Uh, I'm going to dive into the word now, Uh, Cassie, if you don't mind. uh, We're just going to transition into the word now, coming on the heels of this worship. Your hearts are open and receptive to what God is about to say. In fact, your hearts are receptive to what he's already saying in this moment. If you're a first-time guest with us, we'd like to welcome you to Converge Live. If you're watching online, our virtual family, our VFAM, we'd like to say thank you so much for joining us this morning. Now, before I dive into the Word, uh uh-oh, almost ran into this lectern. Before I dive into the Word this morning, listen, I just want to honor you and celebrate you uh, because y'all braved some inclement weather this morning to be in the house of the Lord. Come on, show yourself some love that you didn't let the rain stop you. Amen. Uh, The psalmist said it this way, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Cassie, if you would uh, remind me at the end uh, to cover some important announcements to let you know about all the exciting things that are happening here at Converge Church. We've been in a series that we've titled Planted, Planted. We're walking through scripture and we're unpacking, we're discovering these biblical principles that will move us from uh, 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 potential to productivity. We said potential simply defined is what is possible. Uh, Productivity, on the other hand, is what is actual. God wants us to move from people just saying, man, you got so much talent. Man, you've got so much potential. And he wants us to become fruit-bearing Christians. Amen? That people will look at the evidence in our lives and something about how we live and how we glorify and honor God will attract others to him. In fact, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good deeds. Somebody say fruit. They will see the outpouring, the expression of God in your life. And listen, they will glorify your father in heaven. Someone said it this way, your life speaks so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Uh, In fact, you've heard the old adage that for some people, our lives will be the only Bible they ever get to read. Are y'all with me? And so God wants us to live a life that others desire because of the fruit that we bear and the fruit that we bear in our lives should honor Jesus. And here's the secondary thought, right? The fruit that we bear reveals the condition of the tree. Jesus said it this way. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. A good tree will only produce good fruit. So if I see something in my life that I don't necessarily celebrate or care for, it could be the the result of something much deeper. A lot of times we try to solve problems by fixing the fruit when the truth is the root determines the kind of fruit you bear. So in the series, God has been helping us go a little bit deeper Uh, Not just to look at the fruit that we bear, but even examine the reasons why we may not be bearing fruit or why the fruit that we're bearing 
is not good. So our anchor text for this series has been Psalm 1. We said these are the words of David. It is the first song in a 150 song set list because the book of Psalms were all songs written by a number of different authors, David being the most prolific among them. This is a Psalm of David in book number one of the book of Psalms, the first 40 books or the first 40 chapters of the book of Psalms are all attributed to David. He was a profound, a prolific songwriter, a worshiper at heart, a musician. He was a warrior poet. Listen, what I love about David is the fact that he wasn't one-dimensional, amen? There was absolutely nothing monolithic about David. He was a warrior, he was a king, he was a priest, he was a prophet, he was all these different things all rolled up into one. And there's some of you in this room who carry that same grace. You're not one-dimensional. God wants to do more than just one thing through you. And as we're walking through these series, my, this series, my prayer is that by the Spirit of God, God will reveal, God will unpack and uncover some things in your life that will help you actualize and fulfill your God-given potential. Why is that important this morning? It's important because everything God gives us, he gives us in seed form. God never gives us anything fully developed. And if God gives us everything in seed form, including your very life, just in case you didn't realize it, your life started in seed form. But everything that starts in seed form must first be discovered, then it must be developed, and then it must be deployed. Some of us do a good job of discovering our talents and our gifts. Sometimes the gap is in developing and deploying them. It's one thing to say, I know I have this gift or this talent or this ability, and it's an entirely different thing to recognize what God has given you and be a good steward over what God has entrusted you to develop it so that you can deploy it so that others can benefit from the seed God planted in your life. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Discover, develop, deploy. Uh, uh, this morning we're going to talk about the development part. Because there's some people that go through life frustrated because they know they carry tremendous potential. They know they have this seed of greatness on the inside of them, but they're continually frustrated because it seems like in life they fall short. It's one of the most frustrating things in life for people to always say about you, man, you got so much potential. And then there's something in your life that's like, eh, it's not really a reflection of what I know to be true about myself. And sometimes the gap is simply in developing what you know is already there. Now, let me say this about discovery. You've heard me say it once. You've heard me say it a thousand times. Who you are is not for you to decide. It's for you to discover. It is God-appointed, not self-assumed. God already decided a long time ago his plan and his purpose for your life. That's why in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, God said concerning Jeremiah before, listen to me, before. These are the words of a God who knows the end from the beginning. He says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet. That was Jeremiah's portion. But what has God said about you? 
that before you and I were formed in our mother's womb, God already had a plan. So it's not for me to decide, it's simply for me to discover what God has already decided. And once I discovered what God, has de- uh, 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 what God has decided concerning me, then I have to develop it. It is my stewardship. What God gives me is his gift to me. What I do with what he gives me is my gift back to him. And how many of you realize God expects a return on his investment? D- did y'all know that? Uh, you, you, you remember the parable of the talents? He gave one five, he gave one two, and he gave one one. The one who he gave five talents discovered the talent, developed the talent, and deployed the talent and gave his master ten. The servant who had two talents discovered the talent, deployed the talent, and the word that the scripture uses in the King James is they traded. Do you realize that you may not have what you need, but you have something that others need? And when you discover how valuable what you have is, you can trade what you have for what you need? Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all not, are y'all listening to me this morning? What you have may not be what you need, but what you have can be traded. It can be exchanged for what you need. And that's what happens in Matthew 25. It says they traded. There was an exchange of what they had for what they needed, and it multiplied. Somebody say fruitful. The key to a fruitful life is recognizing that what I have is in seed form, but it must be discovered. I have to recognize that it exists, that I carry it. Then I have to develop it because it's only a seed. The seed must germinate, it must be cultivated and fertilized, cared for, nurtured, placed in the right environment in order for it to bear much fruit. Hmm, okay, I'm going somewhere with this. Okay, here we go. Our anchor text is lifted from Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1. We've been in verse 2 because we've been talking about the seed, and we've been talking about the seed of God's word. The scripture says the sower sows the word. So in this parable, as the sower is sowing, he's sowing the seed of God's word. The seed is inherently good because the seed is God's word. Peter calls God's word incorruptible seed. That means it is inherently, intrinsically good. What Jesus was saying is the seed isn't bad, but there is something that determines whether the seed of God's word in the heart and the life of the believer is effective and fruitful or not, and that is the condition of the soil. So we talked about four heart conditions. Number one, the wayside. We talked about rocky soil. We talked about thorny soil, and then we talked about good soil. All are references. They are metaphors for the condition of our heart. The condition of your heart will determine, the condition of your soil will determine whether the seed of God's word bears fruit, meaning I can preach this message all day long, but if it falls upon the wrong soil, it will not bear fruit. So part of what has to happen in the life of the believer as they hear the word, they have to do open heart surgery. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about what it looks like not only to discover the seed, but to develop it. 
And it's crazy because the process of God is, um, it's almost counterintuitive. It's almost like he hides it in unusual places. And because God puts the promise and his purpose and the seed in places that we wouldn't necessarily consider, we sometimes miss what God is doing. I want you to hear that. Sometimes the process of God and the purpose of God that will take you from potential to productivity is hidden in plain sight. It's there, but you just don't recognize it's there. And sometimes it's there and you don't recognize it's there because you just don't care for how God's doing it. Okay. All right. Uh, Y'all awful quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning, but I'm about to go in. Y'all ready? So the scripture says... Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But, but his delight, his priority, he is intentional about the law of the Lord, the word of God, the seed of God's word. He highly prioritizes the seed of God's word. Can I tell you why that's important? Let me tell you why that's important. It's important because Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12 says that God watches over his word to perform it. What does God watch over? Not my crying, not my complaining, not my murmuring, not my anxiety. God watches over his word to perform it. So if you have God's word in your heart and on your lips, that's what God watches over to bring to pass. Most of us are saying things that God hadn't said, that God hasn't purposed or planned. And so sometimes we don't see the return or the evidence in our lives. God watches over his word to perform it. The second reason it's important is Isaiah 55 at verse 11. God speaks to Isaiah, and he says to Isaiah, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void or empty. If you want to see results, make sure you've got the word of God. Not just in your mouth, but living it and walking it out. Because that's what God has already blessed. Are you listening to me? He says his word will not return unto him void. It means empty. That means when the believer has the seed of God's word in good soil, the word of God over your life in your circumstances will bear much fruit and produce results. It shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So this guy recognizes that. And he says, because of the fruit and the result that comes from the seed of God's word, I'm going to prioritize it. I am going to make it my highest priority. And this is what happens. It says, this man or this woman will be like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water, whose leaf will not wither, who will bring forth their fruit in season, and whatever they do, it shall prosper. That's the promise. But notice the key to being planted by streams and rivers of living water is the word of God. 
the very thing we choose to ignore, the very thing that often collects dust on our nightstand. And God is saying the key to where you want to go, the key to your next level is in the very thing that you ignore. Because my promises are hidden in plain sight right there in my word. And that's the thing I watch over to bring to pass. That's the thing that will cause you to prosper in all that you do. Bringing forth your fruit in season so that whatever you set your hands to prospers. <sighs> Somebody's pulling me in a different direction, but I got to go. I got I to gotta do this. So there was a young man who was about to graduate from college, and for many months, he admired this beautiful sports car in a dealer's showroom. And knowing that his father could well afford it because he was from a well-to-do, affluent family, he told his father what he wanted. In fact, he said, Dad, all I want for my graduation from college is that sports car at that dealership. And, and as graduation approached, the young man waited signs that his father had purchased the car for him. Have you ever been that way? Like, you ask somebody for something. In fact, we just had Levi's, I told you about Levi's 13th birth. He had his wish list made ready early. And every single day, man, leading up to his birthday, he's, you know how you be checking around, <laughs> under stuff, looking for signs. Come on, Christmas is right around the corner. Y'all know how y'all be? When those Amazon packages start coming, you start looking for signs that what you asked for is actually here. This young man who was about to graduate college had the same level of anticipation and expectation. You know why? Because he knew that his dad was well able to do it because he could afford it. So, 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 so uh, uh, he's looking for all these signs. And finally, on the day he was to graduate, his father called him into his private study. And he told him how proud he was to have such a fine son. Y'all know the setup. Y'all know how we do with our kids. And, 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 and then he handed him a beautifully wrapped gift box. Uh, uh, curious but somewhat disappointed, the young man opened the box and found a lovely leather-bound Bible with his name embossed on it in gold. The young man was angry, infuriated, so he raised his voice to his father and said, with all the money you have, you give me a Bible rather than the sports car I wanted? And he stormed out of the house, leaving the Bible behind. Many years passed and the young man was very successful in business and in his professional career. He had a beautiful home, he had a wonderful family, but realized that his father was advanced in years and aging rapidly. So he decided that perhaps he should go see him because he had not seen him since that fateful graduation day. However, before he could make arrangements to go, he received a phone call informing him that his father had passed away and had willed all of his possessions to him. He was told that he needed to come home immediately and take care of things. 
When the son arrived at his father's house, sadness, here it is, sadness and regret. I don't know why when I was uh, compiling my notes, I just highlighted that word regret. Now, maybe for somebody this morning, uh, regrets over bad endings. There might be someone this morning who, who may need to reconcile with someone and make peace with those you've held grudges against because of disappointments, because of unmet expectations. You know what, you know that frustration we feel, the exasperation we feel? It's usually a result of when our experiences don't match our expectations. You expected this, a sports car, for this milestone in your life. Your expectations were this, but what you experienced was something entirely different. You got a Bible instead of a sports car, and, and what the gap, the distance between your expectations and your experiences determines the level of your exasperation. And sometimes what we have to do is reconcile our expectations and our experiences and what happens in the result. As a result, it eliminates our exasperation. Here's a son who expected a car, was given a Bible, and didn't speak to his father, had no opportunity to speak his last words, had no opportunity to say goodbye because of unmet expectations. When David Cassidy died a few years ago, for those of you, was that Partridge family? Uh, when David Cassidy died, his last words, so much wasted time. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. But there are some of us, maybe this morning, who have stormed out of people's lives because of an unmet expectation. You wanted one thing, they wanted, and they gave you something else. And years have gone by. Maybe even decades. And we don't realize how much time We've wasted. And when the son arrived at his father's house, sadness and regret filled his heart. He began to search through his father's important documents and saw the Bible his father had given him for graduation. The Bible looked brand new, just as it looked years ago when his father first gave it to him. With tears in his eyes, he opened the Bible and began to turn through the pages. His father had carefully underlined a verse in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 7, 11, which reads, if you being evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more 
will your heavenly Father, who is in heaven, give to those who ask him? And as the son read these words, a car key dropped from the back of the Bible. It had a tag on it with the car dealer's name. The same dealer who had the sports car that he wanted so badly for his college graduation. On the tag was the date of his graduation and the words written in large print, paid in full. Many times in our lifetime, we miss God's blessings because they're not packaged as we expected them to be. My question to you this morning is what if, what if everything you desire now, everything you ever desired for your life is already hidden in a Bible, already hidden in God's word. And God says, the keys to the car that you want, the keys to the marriage that you want, the keys to the career that you want, the keys to the fulfillment that you want are right here in my word, except that's not what you want though. You don't want to look to my word for answers and solutions, but they've been hidden in plain sight the whole time. And you've wasted all this time hating your father, and you had no idea that he already bought the car, paid for it in full, and the keys were in the word of God. When I say to you this morning... When Jesus says, a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, what he's saying is the keys to that sports car life that you want are in my word, but you've ignored it. And you're you're wondering why it hadn't happened. Yet you and I have more to do with the outcomes of our life than we think. I'll say that again. You and I have more to do with the outcomes of our life than we think. And it has to do with how we interact with God's word. Can we put Joshua 1.8 on the screen? Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 on the screen. it's, It's a supporting text to our anchor text because we see God echo this same idea. Moses is dead. Joshua now has the responsibility of bringing the Israelites into the promised land. Moses had led these people for 40 years. Joshua had been his sidekick, his aide-de-camp, his right hand. Now the responsibility has fallen to Joshua to finish what Moses started. It is a massive, a huge responsibility. These people have been waiting 40 years for God to do this. And now the responsibility rests squarely on Joshua's shoulders. And you know what God tells him? Go and learn how to be a better commander. No. Go and read a a John Maxwell leadership book. No. He says, if you're going to lead these people well, if you're going to be successful in your efforts, here's the key. Y'all ready for this? He says, the book of the law shall not depart from your what? From your mouth. 
but you shall do what? Meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do. Don't just talk about it. Don't just think about it. Do it according to all that is written in it. Notice what it says next. For then God will make your way prosperous and then God will give you success. No, no, that's not what the text said. Let's read it again. For then you, who's going to make that way prosperous? Is God going to do it for you? No. You will make your way prosperous when you apply God's word. And you will enjoy good success when you apply God's word. It's almost like God giving you, <laughs> come on somebody, I'm about to get have PTSD, it's like somebody buying you furniture from Ikea and giving you the box. <laughs> Everything you need is right in that box. You got to put it together. And most of us spend our whole lives complaining that we don't have furniture only because we're not willing to put it together. God says if we will take what he's already given us, i.e. his word, then you will make your way successful. And then you will make your way prosperous. God ain't going to do it for you. God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. And that's why we got these traditions that says, helping helps those who help themselves, you know, are y'all listening to what I'm saying? And we act like the kid with the car keys. God, do it for me. And God says, go read my word. God changed my son. Go read my word. Go read my word. And we ignore the very thing that God's given us. So here it is. Uh, let me start my message now. Um, so I'm going to go fast and furious. Why is this important? The key to what God does next in your life and my life rests upon how we interact with God's word. Because everything that pertains to life and godliness is in God's word. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? I'm telling you. <laughs> this is the way God has chosen to do it. I wish it was simple where I could just, you know, snap my fingers three times and it would show up. God says, if you live my word, you will make your own way prosperous and you will enjoy good success. So here it is. Uh, I'm going to give it to you quickly. He said, Pastor Ray, where do I start? I'm glad you asked. The first thing you want to do with the word of God, first thing, first thing you want to do with the God, word of God, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, is to hear it. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Then somebody said, listen, I, I don't have time. Pastor Ray, my life is busy. Okay, let me, let, me just, let me just help you. Hear the word of God. That means if you have a 20-minute commute, a 25-minute commute, turn off Steve Harvey and hear the word. Make your car a sanctuary. Turn off your favorite crime podcast that now has got you scared and you always locking the doors and now you're living in fear because fear also comes by hearing. 
And if you say, Pastor Ray, I don't have dedicated time to have my daily devotion. Oh, oh man, my house is so loud and so busy. Listen, make your call. Find a way to hear the word. Because faith cometh by hearing. In fact, faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. That is the tense in the Greek that is used. Some of us think, oh, well, I've heard John 3, 16 before. I don't need to hear it. No. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Now, why is that important? It's important because of Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith. It's impossible to please God. So how do I please God without faith? The reason I don't have faith is because I'm not hearing the word. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The first way you interact with God's word is to simply hear it. Create environments where you can hear the word. And it's so easy. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, they've got a guy with a great British accent who will read it to you while you're driving down the road. Second way to interact with God's word is to read it. Read it. The reason it's important to read the word of God is you have to become familiar with the story of God, the narrative of God, how God has dealt with and interacted with men. But there's something powerful when you put the word of God before your eyes. Notice 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13. These are the words of Timoth uh, Paul to his protege, Timothy. Notice what he says. Until I come, give attention to reading. He says, listen, if you're going to lead this congregation, if you're going to lead pastorally, you better be a student of the word. Give attention to reading. Read the word of God. Notice uh, 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 what the Passion Translation says about 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13. He says, until I come, be diligent in devouring the word of God. Read the word. Number three, meditate on the word. Meditate on the word. I read Joshua 1 and 8 to you. Notice what it says. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you shall observe to do according that it all, to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Let me just say this. Meditation, biblical meditation, is not the same as Eastern meditation where they tell you to empty your mind. Biblical meditation is focusing your mind on the word of God. In fact, the word meditate means to regurgitate, to take it in, to spit it out, take it back in, chew on it, spit it back out. The whole idea in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 is the picture of believers taking the word of God in, thinking about it, letting it roll around in your head, letting it renew your mind, allowing the word of God to inform and change the way you think about yourself, about God, about others, about life. Third interaction is meditation. The fourth interaction that every believer must have, and again, these are the keys to living a victorious, prosperous life. It's like the sports car keys are in the Bible, but nobody want to open it. Hmm? Memorize the word. Notice what the psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 11. He says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, when life comes at you, you better have an it is written in your heart. 
Because that's what Jesus used when the enemy came against him after fasting 40 days in the wilderness. Whenever the enemy brought a temptation, Jesus had a word in his heart and Jesus' response was, it is written. What's in your heart when life comes at you? When circumstances come at you? You have to have the word of God stored up in your heart. Notice what the psalmist said. He said, it is the word of God that I've hidden in my heart that preserves me even from sin. A fifth interaction. Fifth interaction. Fifth interaction. Study it. Study it. Study it. That means going a little bit deeper. Let me say it this way. When you read the word of God, you're learning what the word of God says. That, okay, there was a guy named Noah who built a boat, right? There was a guy named Moses who parted the Red Sea. When I read the word of God, I become familiar with the narrative of God. What does it say? When I study the word of God, I go deeper, and the question I answer is, what does it mean? Are y'all, that's what I'm saying? It's one thing to know the narrative of God. It's another thing to understand what it means and what it means for me. The reason this is important, listen to me converge, the reason this is important is because Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says that the word of God is living and it is active. These are not just words on a page, y'all. This book is alive. Jesus said the words I speak to you, they are life. They are, what do you say? They are spirit and life. Jesus said this book is alive. Hebrews 4 and 12 says it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And then it pierces down to the separation. The word of God can get deep down into your, it can separate your spirit and your soul. It can go even down to the bone and marrow. Hebrews 4 and 12 says that. That the word of God can affect you spiritually, it can affect you emotionally, it can even affect what happens in your physical body. Here's the text, Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is living and powerful. Notice what it says. It is living. It is alive. It is not just this uh, document that is centuries old. It is alive and it is powerful. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's what the word of God does. It will get all the way deep down in your business. It will let you know whether your decisions are of the flesh or of the spirit, of the soul or of the spirit when you learn how to rightly divide the word of God. Study the word. Notice what the scripture says about Ezra in Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. It says, for Ezra had devoted himself to what? To the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees in, the, in Israel. Notice the progression. He devoted himself to what? Study. Then to what? Observance. Then to teaching it. You know what Ezra's uh, posture was? He said, I ain't going to teach nothing that I ain't living first. I'm going to study God's word. I'm going to put it to test in my life. I will see the evidence of my life. And then I will have a foot on to teach somebody else that this thing works. 
if you'll work it. Which brings me to my final point. Your sixth interaction with the word of God should be application. The word of God is not for head knowledge alone. The word of God is for application. So notice what he says in verse six. I mean, in uh, James chapter one and verse 22, the sixth interaction that we ought to have with God's word, uh, it says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It's one of the most dangerous places to live, listen to me, if you're a Christ follower, to hear the word, know what the Bible says, and dismiss it. And come back again and hear another message and hear what the Bible says, and I don't have to do that. And come back to the house of God, hear what the word of God says, and whatever. You know what the the Bible calls that? Self-deception. Be a doer of the word. So this is where I'm going to close. Y'all ready? Uh, can you, uh, Malak, can you throw me that towel? I'm up here greasy like Jermaine Jackson. Come on, y'all know Jermaine? Jermaine. Thank you, Malak. Jermaine. Jermaine was the original guy with that gorilla glue, man. Using them waves. I heard Dawn say, Pastor Ray. You had a crush on Jermaine, didn't you? Oh, that was, that was Bina? Yeah, y'all got me up here, man, just greasy. Jermaine. <laughs> uh, what was I talking about again? All right, I promise you I'm going to wrap this up right here. But I got to say this. What did I say we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about the development part, right? Because sometimes this is where we miss it, okay? This is where I'm going to wrap up, the development part. Great story in Genesis chapter 26, and I'm going to go fast and furious. So in Genesis chapter 26, uh, because God wants us to develop the seed that he has given us, and the development of that seed is the key to winning in life. I'm telling you, man, somebody needs to hear this. Uh, The key to your next level is in the word of God. We have to become students of God's word again. So in Genesis chapter 26, I'll just read this quickly, and then I'll give you a couple of points, and I will be out of your way. What time the Cowboys play today? Oh, even better. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody, y'all said, take your time, Pastor. I just saw a guy back there throw up his hands like, why they go say that? (laughs) I'm hungry. Missing my breath. You know, when you throw your hands up, man, you know, it's like, that's desperation, right? I saw a guy right there. Y'all don't say that to Pastor Ray, man. He will take that literally. All right, so here it is. I'm going to go fast, but y'all need, we need to hear this, all right? This is for me too. We need to hear this, all right? So as you're reading the word, you'll discover this story of a guy named Isaac. Isaac is considered one of the patriarchs uh, because he is uh, the son of Abraham, right? So there's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then there are a few others uh, that will fall into this, this uh, um, sort of celebrated category of the patriarchs. Isaac has this compelling story. Because Isaac is the son that Abraham and Sarah waited for for 20 plus years, right? He is the son of promise. He's not the oops baby, Ishmael. Come on. If you've ever tried to help God, you know what an Ishmael is. If you've chosen to wait on God, God's timing. In God's way, you know what an Isaac is. 
So Isaac is the son that Abram and Sarah waited for patiently 20 plus years. So now Isaac is grown. He's got a family of his own. And he finds himself in this place called Gerar. But notice verse 6, I mean verse 1 of Genesis 26. It says, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So hold on one second. It's like, okay, Isaac has seen this before. It's almost like deja vu. But sometimes in life, I think as believers, we think that following Jesus insulates us from problems. Not true. Isaac loved God. Abraham loved God. But in Abraham's time, Abraham lived through a famine. He lived through a dry season. Now, Isaac, his son, who saw how his father responded in the famine, is going through a famine of his own. Uh, I've seen this before. I see this pattern. But notice what happens in the text. The scripture says that Isaac went to Abimelech, and then the Lord appeared to him, verse 2, and said, notice what he said. He says, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. I'm talking about learning to hear the voice of God and listen to the word of God and to develop what God has given you. The first thing starts with this discovery. So notice what he said. He said, listen, Isaac, I know the circumstances are the same, but your response under the same circumstances is going to be different. One of, one of the greatest hindrances to our decision-making sometimes is our history. Oh, y'all missed that. Some of the greatest hindrances to our decision-making in the present is our history, what we did in the past. And we think that just because it worked then, it's going to work now. When sometimes God will give you in the midst of your famine, y'all have heard me say it before, an illogical instruction. So here's Isaac. Isaac said, my father was a man of God. My father was a man of faith. And when the famine happened, he went to Egypt. Come on, kids. Let's pack up our bags. Let's do what grandpa did and let's go to Egypt. As he's about to go to Egypt, God speaks to him, divine intervention. Listen to me. Sometimes life's disruption, disruptions are actually divine interventions. God intervenes and says, no, 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 no. Pump the brakes now, Isaac. Pump the brakes now. Don't go to Egypt. That's what your father did, and that's what he should have done. But my plan for you is different. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, before you make a move, before you sign that contract, before you start that business, before you take that job, in all your ways, acknowledge me, meaning invite me into the process. That's why most of us miss it, Kevin. We assume that because we did it this way the last time, that God has endorsed it this time. And God said, I want you to invite me into every decision of your life. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of you, acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. Invite me. And then he says, and I will direct your path. So he says to Isaac, don't go, bro. Because sometimes the greatest hindrance to our destiny is our history. We default to what we did the last time. Notice what God said. Notice what God And I, I got to tell you all this because it's loaded. It's going to help somebody this morning. He said, listen, stay in the land I'm going to show you. 
Notice what he said in verse 3. Do we have it on screen? Let's put it on screen. Genesis 26, just follow along. Verse 3. He said, dwell in this land. Hold up. There's a famine. And you want me to stay here? Yeah. Hold up. No, no, no. Get thee behind me, Satan. Isn't that what we say sometimes when God's speaking to us, when it makes no sense? God, there's a famine. And I, I'm supposed to stay here? Ain't nothing growing? Everything's dying? Everybody's leaving? No, stay right here. Obey the illogical instruction. And he says, and I will be with you. No, 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 not yet. Not yet. I, I still got a little bit more. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah. Don't do that, player. Yeah, not yet. Yeah, hold on. Just a second. Yeah, not yet. Come on, somebody. See that guy went like that again. He's like, All right. No, I'm going to go fast. I'm going to go fast. I promise you. Listen to me. The illogical instruction. Notice what God said. Dwell in this land, and what am I going to do? I will bless you. Who going to do it? God says, I will bless you. Where? In this land. In this place of famine. I will do for you. Listen to me. I will do for you what others can't do for themselves under these conditions. I'm telling you, this is for somebody this morning. I don't know who it's for. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't go back to what worked last time. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Ask God, God, what do you want me to do? I'm in a famine. It's for somebody this morning. I'm in a famine, God. What should I do? Because what I really want to do is what my father Abraham did and go to Egypt. Because in Egypt, man, everything's fine. The economy's good. Stuff is growing. Of course, it makes sense for me to pack up my family and move across the, the country because that's the perfect offer. And God said, dwell in this land. Notice what he says. He says, I will be with you and bless you. For you and descendants, I will give you all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I spoke to your father, Abraham. The title of this message was Stay, So, Grow. Stay, So, Grow. Notice what God says. Verse 4, and I will make your descendants multiply. And he goes on and on and on. And then it goes down to verse... Uh, because uh, I got to give you all this, and then I, I'm, I'm, I promise you I'm done, and I'll give you the signal, and you can start the music. Uh, yeah. Look at verse 12. Verse 12. Before we get to verse 12, you can keep it on the screen, but here it is. I'm talking about the development part. So he has the first thing that God says, stay. He has the first word, God says, Stay. When everything in your mind says go, here's the word of the Lord. In your season of staying, resist the temptation to do what worked the last time or what is working for everyone else. Whew. Resist the urge to do what worked the last time or what is working for everyone else and do what God said. So verse 12 says, then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in that same year 
a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Ah. Imagine you're Isaac. Everybody's leaving Gerar. And your neighbor's like, Isaac, you ain't leaving? Nah. God told me to stay. Ain't no food here, Isaac. Nah. God told me to stay. Everybody laughing at him. Man, Isaac crazy. And you look around you and nobody left in Gerar but you with a word from God. Not only that, the scripture says Isaac sowed. Stop the press. Listen, we did a landscaping party a few weeks out. And we tried to dig. My man Eddie Guzman here said, we ain't going to be able to dig, Pastor Ray. This ground is too hard. We had to go to Home Depot and rent an auger and to break up the ground. Yet God said, I want you to stay. So when the scripture says Isaac sowed, it wasn't no small task. What God was asking him to do was no easy thing. It wasn't like Isaac just came and took seed and started spreading it. No, 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 no. no. Isaac had to do a whole lot of work. He had to break up the fallow. Not only did he have to break up the fallow ground, he had to figure out a way to irrigate it. Ain't no water running. Where he gonna get the water from, Trey? It's a famine. The land is dry. And so God's instruction to him says, stay and I will bless you. This is what most of us say. I'm gonna stay and I'm just gonna sit here and fold my hands and miracles are just gonna fall from heaven. No, God says, stay, break up the fallow ground, dig deep until you hit water to irrigate this land that I'm giving you. Notice what verse 13 says. It says, the man began to prosper. He continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Y'all see the, y'all see the, y'all see the, the progression? He began to prosper, but he continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. But how did he do it? He developed what God gave him. He had to break up the fallow ground. He had to irrigate it. He had to cultivate it, and it was in a hard place. And God says, if you will do your part, I will bless the work of your hands. I will bless your hands efforts. I ain't going to do it for you though. You're going to have to do your part. And so when Jeremiah, I mean Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 says that the man who follows God's word will make his own way prosperous. The gap sometimes is what in what we're willing or unwilling to do because he had to develop that. So here's, I promise you, you can start playing now. Here's the last verse I'm going to give you. This is for somebody. This is for somebody here. Listen, not only did did Isaac have to break up the fallow ground, not only did he have to sow during a drought, not only did he have to create an irrigation system in the middle of the famine, here's what he also had to do. Here's what he also had to do. And here's one of the reasons we struggle and we miss what God is saying and what God is doing in our lives. He also had to ignore the criticism of his adversaries. 
It was Angela Monet who said, those who danced were thought insane by those who didn't hear the music. There are some people who are going to look at your life and say, man, you crazy. The reason they think you crazy is because they don't hear your music. Did y'all hear what I'm saying? There are people who are leaving Gerar during the famine who say, see you staying in Gerar and digging up all this hard dirt and sowing seeds who are laughing at you. The reason they're laughing at you is because you're dancing and they can't hear your music. But dig anyway. So here's the last verse I'm going to give you. And this is a cultivation verse. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 23. I'm talking about when you have the word of God, you will make your own way prosperous. Proverbs 13 and 23. Just the first part of it. Notice what it says. It says, much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. What was the wisest man who ever lived saying? One translation says, much bread is in the fallow ground of the poor. What does the word fallow mean? It means uncultivated. So think about the man who is poor, sitting on uncultivated ground. You know what God sees? He says to that poor man, all the bread you will ever need is sitting under the ground that you're unwilling to cultivate. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? He says a man is poor, but he has much bread. But where's the bread? It's in the uncultivated ground, the unutilized, undeveloped talent. I remember Deion Sanders sharing the story of growing up and his home in Florida was, they had to walk past the cemetery uh, to get to his house. And he would be out with his friends late and late at night, Young teenagers, they would be afraid to walk past the cemetery. So guess what they would do? They would run past the cemetery. And as a young man, what he realized was he was faster than all of his friends. You know, the gift God gave Deion Sanders was the gift of speed. When he discovered that he was fast, he started, he, he tried out for track and realized he was fast. And he started to play football and realized that he was fast. He discovered the seed of his speed. But he just didn't stop there to say, I'm fast. Deion Sanders did what? He developed the seed that God had given him. And because he developed that seed and became a track star and a football star, he landed not only as a professional football player, but as a professional baseball player. How did it happen? He discovered the seed, which was how fast he was. He developed the seed. And to this day, God has given Deion Sanders tremendous success. What if Deion Sanders were like so many other people who recognized how fast they were, but just used it to just run up and down the street with their boys, never developed what God had given them, never cultivated what God had given him. We never would have heard the name Deion Sanders, but for somebody this morning, the Word of God is powerful enough that if you will simply discover what God has given you. For some of you, it's the gift of poetry. For some of you, it's songwriting. For some of you, it's the ability to sing. Don't just take the seed in seed form. Develop it so you can deploy it. And as you deploy it, 
God will multiply it for his glory. Father, we ask you now to seal this word in our hearts. Much like the young man graduating college, you've already given us the seed of your word. Everything you, we need for our next level, everything we need to bear fruit in our lives personally, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our business, in our dreams, in our vision. God, it's in your word. And as we begin to act, interact with your word, and as we become doers of your word, Father, we thank you for your promise. We thank you for your promise that as we do your word, we make our way prosperous even in famine, even when everybody's leaving, God, when you say, stay here and I will bless you, God, you'll do it. We see the evidence of it right here with Converge Church because we obeyed an illogical instruction. If you're here this morning and say, you know what, Pastor Ray, that word was for me. I'm in a famine and I feel like God's given me an illogical instruction. I just need to obey it. I want to pray for you. Slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, for these who have raised their hands, we ask you now to do for them what you also did for Isaac. God, what you've also done for Converge Church. It may not make sense. It may be counterintuitive. People might be criticizing us for it. We might be walking into something everybody else is walking away from. But, but, but God, because you said to do it, God, we will obey your word. And God, even if it means breaking up fallow ground, even if it means running irrigation systems in places that are dry and arid, and then sowing seed, God, we will do that in the midst of famine because God, you said you would make the work of our hands fruitful, and you would bless it. The work of our hands. The work of our hands. The work of our hands. The effort, the, the time that we put into it. You would bless it. You don't do it for us, but you bless what we do. So Lord, do it for these, your sons and daughters, today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Did I help anybody this morning? Stay soul so that you can grow. All right, real quick, I'm about to let you go, but I got to tell you, we're really excited about this, right? October 29th, Saturday, October, well, October 28th, Friday, uh, 28th through the 30th, we're celebrating all that God has done here at Converge Church with our night of worship. So Friday, 7.30, you don't want to miss that. Put it on your calendar. We're going to have a phenomenal night of worship and thanksgiving. We may be adding one more thing, one more thing, but I don't want to speak out of turn, but we're really excited. It's going to be an opportunity for us to gather corporately and give thanks for this notable miracle that God has given us, our new home here at 1611 Wilmoth Road. On Saturday, on Saturday... Uh, October 29th, uh, we're going to have our family fun day. It's going to be fun for the whole family. So if you have little ones, bring them. We're going to have bounce houses. Uh, we're going to have, come on, for the little ones and the not so little ones, we're going to have laser tag, going to have hamster balls. We're going to have a gaga pit with bounce, uh, 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 dodgeball, just fun for the whole family. But the highlight, the highlight of what we do on the 29th is our chili cook-off, y'all. It's coming back. It's coming back. And listen, it is super competitive. Now, 
if you want to enter the chili cook-off or the cupcake war, I think we've got some pictures. Do we have the picture of, he's going to be surprised when he sees it. Do we have that picture? Come on, somebody. That's my man Brooks. And that cupcake that he's devouring, y'all see that bacon on top? It looked, yeah, man, come on, somebody. I still remember that cupcake that Chastity made. It was incredible with that. Listen, I don't know about y'all. Any bacon eaters in the house? Applewood smoked. Thick cut. Can't be wimpy. Come on. Listen, people get really creative. Uh, so, uh, Chili Cook-Off, Cupcake Wars. If you want to enter the Chili Cook-Off or the Cupcake War, uh, there should be a QR code. QR code, you can pull out your phone now and scan it. Uh, it's also in the email blast that we've sent out. But if you want to enter the Chili Cook-Off or the Cupcake Wars, listen, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have hot dogs, all that good stuff. That's the 29th. On Sunday morning, we're going to have the ribbon cutting. And, uh, and then Sunday afternoon, we're going to have, even though my wife and I were ordained years ago, uh, we wanted to make it formal. And uh, with my bishop, my mentor, Bishop Darlingston Johnson, he's going to be here and he's going to do our ordination. So it's going to be a full weekend. Now, the good news is, here it is, here it is. We, we just, we just uh, signed the contract and we're going to have a very special musical guest. Y'all ready for this? Todd Delaney. Todd Delaney is going to be in the house with us. Todd's going to be in the house. So all y'all, y'all know Todd Delaney? You're like, nah. Okay, I was wondering because that was a very polite golf clap. He's like, uh, but Todd's going to be in the house uh, leading worship for us. So if you've ever heard, you know, King of Glory, uh, Victory Belongs to Jesus, the anthem, uh, 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 Your Great Name, uh, all those good songs, Todd is going to be in the house. It's going to be a fantastic weekend. I already told y'all, make sure, make sure you take Monday off because you're going to be exhausted. Amen. Why don't you stand with us? Why don't you stand with us? Levi, why don't you come down, man? Come hang out with me as we bless the people out. Everybody show your love for my man cub, Levi Legend. Yeah. Come on down. All righty. <laughs> he walking like his leg fell asleep, man. Listen, oh, he's probably tired. He's probably tired, man, because we, we turned up yesterday. Levi, love you. Incredibly proud of you, man. He's a teenager now and in many parts of Africa. Yeah, where I'm from, uh, he would be out killing his first lion. And uh, he didn't kill any lions yesterday. <laughs> but uh, we had a great time, father-son time. You want to bless the people out? You want to pray for them? He said, I can do it. Amen. Let's raise our hands. Let's bless them out. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in Jesus' name. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. If you were impacted by today's worship experience, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's message was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some materials to kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you would like more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at echurchatweareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. You can also give by texting 77977 and send Converge Give in the dollar amount. 
You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.